everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about the two worst ingredients for weight loss. If you want to lose weight, you really got to minimize these ingredients and maybe not for the reasons that you've thought of in the past. Uh, now, before I tell you what these ingredients are, the point I want to make is that when you approach your weight loss, you want to make it easy. A lot of people approaching weight loss subconsciously are trying to make it hard because you associate the harder it is, the faster my results are going to be. You got to let go of that because the harder it is, the shorter time you're going to do it. Okay, so if you put that energy that you used to force yourself to do something you didn't like into making it easy, you're going to have a much better time and you're going to get much better results. So the two ingredients that really make weight loss hard are sugar and salt. So a lot of times we hear about the negative effects of sugar and salt on our bodies, right? Sugar leads to cavities, spike blood sugar, um, salt, you know, high blood pressure, uh, things like this. But the main point I want to make here is that these two ingredients cause you to overeat. So when there is salt and sugar in food, your chances of overeating it go way, way up. And now you're going to have to rely on willpower to stop yourself from eating it. But the craving goes up. As soon as you taste that salt, as soon as you taste that sugar, they, they work a little bit differently. But basically, they're overriding your brain's natural ability to say, okay, I've had enough, stop. It hijacks that. And it causes you to want to keep on going. The sugar affects your pleasure, pleasure centers. And the salt, it just overrides your ability to kind of know where you're at with, with your hunger. And so if you start to reduce or remove them from your meals, you will find that you will naturally consume less food with no willpower needed, okay? And if you don't believe me, go and get one of your favorite foods and get the unsalted version of it and notice the difference. You're gonna notice that again, it causes you to be much more aware of what you're eating and it is way easier to stop eating it um, before you eat too much of it. Okay, so I want you to really, really focus on this for this specific reason. Then notice it both ways so you don't have to stop right away. But notice when you're eating sugary things, when you're eating salty things, notice how difficult it is to get yourself to stop. Because again, both of these chemicals hijack your brain in different ways to get you to overeat. And so it becomes this, they're very addictive, but again, they become, we become very compulsive once we start eating them. And so we try and fight against ourselves with our willpower. But again, that's a stressful, difficult way to manage your weight. It's much easier if you ahead of time reduce the sugar and salt content. And that's going to, again, just naturally, you're going to have a much more increased ability to stop eating much sooner. So pay attention to this, begin to reduce it, and maybe ultimately remove it. And it's going to go a far way towards helping you with your weight. So I hope this helps you out. Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Um, just make sure I don't ask any questions so far. What about Celtic salt? Would that be better than table salt? Um, I don't know Celtic salt specifically, but if it's like kosher salt, where it's like a rougher um, salt grain, then that's going to be better in general for you because it takes longer to metabolize and, and absorb. However, as soon as you taste that salt on your tongue, again, it, it triggers your overeat. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it's, it's a lot of times we look at the health effects of sugar and salt and, and there are real health effects, obviously. But what I'm looking at specifically is how salt and sugar really boost up your appetite. It, you know, and it's almost like not even boosting up your appetite as much as it is fueling your compulsion to keep eating. 
is kind of what it does. Sugar, um, you know, activates the pleasure centers of your brain, and so you want more and more pleasure. And the salt, you know, exactly how that works, I, I don't know, but again, it's very obvious that salt, A, it masks, you know, kind of shitty ingredients in processed food, but it triggers us to overeat, that the salt does. And, you know, maybe it goes back to evolution where we needed more salt. And so, you know, getting salt was, you know, when we get the chance, we want to keep eating it. But something happens in us where we want to keep eating salty things. And um, again, it just makes it harder. So, so, you know, I would suggest that you experiment um, with the Celtic salt and see how you respond to it. Okay, that would be the biggest thing. Um, you know, for example, just to, just to drive the point home about the types of salt, for example, is they have salt now that they work on, the processed food companies will work on it, like to the level where it's so microscopic that you just almost can't even imagine this stuff, where they created a certain salt, I don't know what the word would be, like a grain, but it's eight-sided, okay? And so what that means is, because it was developed to be eight-sided, this eight-sided grain, is when it hits your tongue, it melts faster. And so the faster it melts onto your tongue, the more addictive it is, okay? Because what really, a big part of addiction is the time between when you take the substance and when it's absorbed, when it hits you. And so they making this eight-sided um, salt molecule, or I don't know, grain, whatever the word would be, um, that makes it more addictive, you know? So again, the like a more refined salt is gonna be more addictive than a rougher salt. You know, because the rougher salt, you don't absorb it as quickly. And so it doesn't, it's not as powerful, you know, in your brain and your body um, compared to more refined grains that absorb like that. That's a much more addictive one. So, yeah, I would stick, you're probably better off with the Celtic salt if that's a, a thicker, a more, I don't know what the word would be, but like a kosher salt, which is rougher. Those are better for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, the salt and sugar, right? It, it's basically <laughs> salt, sugar, and fat. Um, Malden salt is tasty. I don't know what Malden salt is either. What's Malden salt? Look that up. I always like to learn something new. Let's see. Malden salt. Yeah, okay. Sea flakes, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, okay. So it's a gourmet sea salt. So again, you know, what? What? Uh, the, the main point... What's up, Astrid? Um, the main point I want to make is that I'm giving... Oh, it's a finishing... Okay, got you. Um... You know, sometimes we think of the salt, especially, we, we really think of it as it's the, the physical effects, right? High blood pressure, you know, is probably the top thing. And um, that, that's all true. But again, what I'm trying to say is that the saltier, the more salt you use in your food, the more salt that's in your food, the more of it you're going to eat. The same with sugar. You know, it, it's that simple. It is a, like, I don't want to say it's an appetite increaser. It is a eating increaser. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it literally just triggers you to keep on eating. And um, you, this will become so apparent if you ever eat a non... I, like, I, I eat a bread... Um, I eat Ezekiel bread, and I remember I was like, oh, salt. I'm, I'm going to get rid of the salt in this. And I got the no salt version. And it was gross. It literally just tasted like straight cardboard. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go to the low-sodium version. <laughs> and uh, that was still a dramatic difference, but I could deal with it. You know, now, now I'm used to it. You habituate to it. But it just it makes it so much easier to just eat proper this is what I'm trying to say. I know it's not easy to give up salt and sugar. I understand that. But what I'm telling you is that you've been looking at it like saying, oh, sugar's not good for me. Salt's not good for me. You don't give a shit. Most people don't give a shit if stuff's not good for them. 
<laughs> so what I'm doing is we're trying to give you just another paradigm of one more thing um, that may influence the way you think about it, which is that it's triggering you to overeat. And so if you care about your weight, if you care about your eating, um, you know, the, the salt content, the sugar content of things is going to impact that. It's going to make it way harder, you know, so just something to pay attention to. And, you know, if you're making your own food, you can begin to train yourself. Now, this is where I, th I don't think you should just give up salt completely. That's what I was saying about the bread. I'm not giving up salt completely, uh, but what I am doing is I'm reducing it. You know, and so I think, again, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing, okay, that's it, no more salt ever again, no more sugar ever again. But if you begin to reduce it, I think you'll find you almost instantaneously begin to have more control over your eating, and it's just easier, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's how that goes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Right, we'll start a little late today. I like to get in our new, but this week's been all weird for me. We get a new, new computer things set up so things feel a little weird but uh next week's a new week actually it's a weird week for me anyways go away we had a holiday and then my kids had a snow day on tuesday and then something happened yesterday so yeah, it's been kind of an off week for me but uh what everyone's doing right so what do we have we're, we're two three weeks into january and that's usually the time where if you've been on a diet if you you know set your 2024 resolutions and intention to lose weight you may be struggling now you know it's very common and so you know, if you're struggling, we could talk about it. Again, the good news is that most likely it's because you haven't strategized well. You know, there's a better strategy that's available to you other than dieting. And the dieting approach typically leads to a couple of weeks of success and then a couple of months of being off track, not doing anything. So, uh, you know, if you're dealing with that, you know, it's not a willpower thing. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. Because a lot of people interpret, you know, the, the struggles of weight loss. And especially if you're, um, you know, especially right now, if you're trying to change up your habits and you've been for the last couple of weeks, you're, you're starting to fade, right? Because the willpower is like a muscle. And so you've been overusing it for the last two, three weeks, and now it might be depleted, you know? And so now you might be struggling more than you were the first week or two. But the problem is you probably have no idea why. And once you understand why, again, then you can fix it. Um, Bright Future says, I'm addicted to sugar and I try so hard to probably stop eating it, I imagine. Yeah, sugar's a tough one. You know, everyone's addicted to sugar to some degree. It's it's one substance universally that we seem to be hardwired to like. They've done uh, experiments with, with babies where they'll take a finger, dip it in some sugar solution, and they'll, they'll all, all their eyes light up. So we're kind of hardwired to like sugar. And... Uh, Again, that goes back to evolution, right? Because where do we have sweet things? You know, it was usually fruit. And so when you had the opportunity to eat fruit, uh, it lights up your pleasure centers because, again, there's calories in it, there's a lot of nutrients in it, and it's temporary. You know, and so you eat the shit out of it. And so your brain is triggered to do that. And so here we are now, though, in an environment where there's nonstop sugar around us. Okay? So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the sugar addiction? Uh, you know, again, I go back to the three R's of weight loss, right? What you've probably tried to do, Bright Future, I'm going to guess, is you've tried to remove sugar from your life, and that hasn't worked. So there's also reduce and replace are two other options you have as well. I know sometimes people say, well, I can't do that with sugar. I either, I'm all or nothing. I either eat it, all of it, or I, I have to stop it completely. And people tell themselves that, and I guess occasionally in a couple situations that may be true, but for the vast majority of people, that's not true. That if you put the energy into really learning to moderate and manage your sugar, you probably could do that better than you think you can. You know, 
Yeah, you'll eat a whole bag of sugar donuts. Yeah, so will I. I I'll, <laughs> my kid over the holidays got... Because when I was... When I, back in the day, I dropped 50 pounds, you know? It's been 30 years, but... Um, back in the day, one of the foods that I would always eat was uh, powdered white donuts. I'd always get the sleeve of them and eat those. And so I don't, I don't eat those anymore, but um, my kid got a bag of them. <laughs> just plow through it. So, yeah, you know, because, listen, that's not just the sugar, though. You know, what I mean? it really isn't just the sugar. It is the sugar, the fat. There's probably salt in it. Right? It's always salt, sugar, fat. Those are the three real um, ingredients that, that trigger us to overeat. And again, it all goes back to evolution, you know, times. Uh, but, so the donut's not just the sugar, most likely. It's the, you know, it's the sugar, the fat, and there's probably salt in them as well. Um, it's the mouthfeel, it's the flavor hit, you know, because, again, these foods now are so processed that, God almighty, I, I tell you, you know, th it's so eye-opening, and I'm really deep diving into this, so I'll be sharing a lot of this with you, and I I'll do some trainings for free. Which reminds me, if you're not on my list, please go go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's free. It's called the New Thin Me. Um, it's a kickstart session, completely free. It takes about 10 minutes to listen to, and, and you'll get to experience it firsthand. And then there's a training, Three Steps to Master Your Weight, that I give you. It's completely free. Um, and I email you every day, um, supportive, encouraging, you know, emails. Uh, but I will be, I'm going to be doing some, some trainings on the food industry and how food's set up. Because I think you don't know any of this stuff, is what I'm going to guess. Uh, I do this shit for 30 years and I don't know a lot of this stuff sometimes until I read these books. And I think once you know it, it's very eye-opening. You know, once you can understand the science behind the addiction, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. And so with food, when you realize what they're doing to these foods to the level they're doing it, it changes the whole paradigm. It changes the whole way you think about these foods. I always joke, you know, a lot of times you're, you look at your favorite processed foods and intuitively you just think, well, it's a bunch of chefs in a kitchen, you know, working on recipes. You know what I mean? To make the best recipe. It is not. Your foods, your favorite foods now are all made in labs by chemists. It, it is that, it is that cynical. It is that precise and, and down to the, the molecule. You, you know what I mean? It, it's so, so specific about what they're doing. And so even when you figure out like how they're trying to optimize these foods, you know, what they're doing is they're trying to hijack all of our evol evolutionarily created hardwiring. You know, your whole body as a system is literally hardwired to overeat because we evolved in a food scarce environment, you know, but now we live in a food abundant environment, which it's not even just food abundant. It's addictive food abundant, you know, so it's not even just natural food abundance it's gone a level beyond that where it is hyper palatable foods that are engineered to be as addictive as possible in abundance, <laughs> you know? So they're just layers of things that, that um, yeah, it makes it hard. But what, at least once you know it, you can, you can understand that and then you can start to strategize to make it better. Um, I quit smoking cigarettes three years ago. I quit drinking alcohol a year ago, but sugar is my devil. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, congratulations on the other two. That's a good one. At least I would suggest that the sugar is probably the the least, the smallest devil of the three, you know? Um, but that's a common thing. I mean, some people, uh, the guy's a dipshit. I heard him say it yesterday, <laughs> this guy's a clown. He's on TikTok sometimes and he's, I don't even know what his background is. He, he calls himself a doctor, but he's a not a medical doctor. <laughs> Anyways, he says that alcoholism is a sugar addiction. Um, I think that's 
obviously simplistic and stupid, but the alcohol does break down into sugar. So there is an aspect to that. A lot of alcoholics um, turn to sugar, you know, uh, to, to help deal with the cravings, you know, because they are related, right? Because the alcohol breaks down into sugar. So, um, yeah. Now, I, you know, you're asking that, and do I have strategies to deal with sugar? I do. Um, they're just more multifaceted than just stop eating sugar. Uh, so, you know, Bright Future, what I'm going to suggest without even knowing you is that you may have an addictive personality. And if you do have an addictive personality, you may be addiction, addiction jumping, maybe. Um, so at some point, I don't know what you did to quit smoking. I don't know what you did to drink, stop drinking alcohol. But if you just quit cold turkey, um, you probably know a lot of this already. And I don't know if this is your situation. I don't know if you're responding to any of this. Yeah, okay. So you said, when I quit drinking, I ate so much ice cream for three months before things settled down. Okay. So if you quit, especially the alcohol, if you quit the alcohol cold turkey, you know that they, they refer to that as being a dry drunk, right? So it's like you stopped drinking, but you may have never dealt with the the things that led you to be an alcoholic or, or, or dry. And I don't feel alcoholic, actually. You didn't say that. But um, if you had a drinking problem, uh, if we don't deal with the the mindset, the emotional things that led to the problem in the first place, what happens is we get in this situation where we just go addiction jumping. You know, this thing, and now I'm addicted to this thing, now I'm addicted to this thing. And so sometimes it takes a deeper approach. It's the same. I know it sounds weird, but a lot of times the, I approach, like, when I want to help people master their weight, it becomes much more a process like AA, like, like in the sense that, you know, back in the day, what do we have Nancy Reagan say, just say no. Right? Just say no to substances. Just say no to the alcohol. Just say no to drugs. Right, But that's such a superficial, simplistic approach. Right? It's silly. But the diets are basically just say no to food. Just say no to sugar. Just say no to the calories. Right, And so clearly, there's got to be more to it. Right, I mean, everyone is failing to lose weight and to change their eating. There's clearly more to it than just saying no. And so I think that the, the something more is having a deeper understanding, having a comprehensive approach to mastering your weight. So with Program Yourself Then we have a weight mastery pyramid, um, mindset, lifestyle, and then eating. And so it's the lifestyle and the mindset piece that most people don't have as part of their strategy. And in my opinion, it's the most important part. So if you're just trying to change your eating without changing your lifestyle or mindset, I think you're gonna have a lot of struggles, you know? So again, what I'm basically saying is even with the sugar, and especially if you've dealt with cigarette and, and alcohol um, addictions to some degree, uh, now it's a sugar addiction, you know? And so, again, at, at the end of the day, it might be, have to be some inner work you may have to do to, to truly overcome it. Um, easy way to quit smoking by Alan Carr. I basically brainwashed myself to quit smoking. Yeah, I love, I love Alan Carr. I love that approach, the easy way approach. I think it's wonderful. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think about him a lot. I, I like to model that because I like to model it too because the first thing I like to do, even with weight loss, I like to reframe it, first of all, that, again, you, you don't want to lose weight. What you want is you want to live at your goal weight. And those are two totally different things. Losing weight, subconsciously, the goal is to just lose the weight. That's the finish line. And to live at your goal weight, the goal and the finish line is to live the rest of your life at your goal weight. You know, so they're two totally different things. And so the easy way, he really reframes smoking. You know, he reframes it. And he tells you, it, it, you don't have to stop smoking. Don't stop smoking while you're reading the book. You know, and that's very interesting because I will tell you that's where hypnosis is actually very interesting. Um, a lot of times what happens for people is you've tried to lose weight for so long, 
right? You've been trying to lose weight for decades, most likely, and you tried all these extreme diets. And what happens now subconsciously is every time you think about weight loss, you go into a state of stress and anxiety, right? Because you're referencing all the things you've tried and all the failures that you've experienced. And so you associate weight loss with failure, stress, frustration, all this negative stuff. And you feel that, you know? And so what happens is as soon as you think about weight loss, you go into a state of, of stress, which let's just get specific. Your, your sympathetic nervous system, your fight, flight, or freeze response gets activated. And when that happens, the blood goes from your brain down to your body so you can fight, flight, or freeze. Um, it's, not a, it's not a philosophical state. It's not a state where you can think clearly and strategically. It's a state where you're very reactive. And so um, where, where I think Alan Carr was so brilliant is, is it's the same thing with smokers, right? Smokers, I got to quit smoking, and they go into a state of anxiety. So I think one of the brilliant things he did is he reframed it. He said, don't, don't quit smoking. Just read the book. Now all of a sudden you're kind of relaxed and calm and you're reading this book and now like all this stuff you're reading is going in deeper. We're usually like, I know I gotta quit smoking, I gotta quit smoking. But you're never thinking about it more deeply. And in an easy way when you're reading that book, you're starting to internalize a lot of the things that are being said because he's not going at it, you gotta quit smoking. You know, and so it kind of puts your, your defenses at ease, which is really what hypnosis is all about. It's about bypassing the critical faculty. You know, because at this point, anytime you think about weight loss, you're going to a state of stress, and that is preventing you from thinking clearly. So, um, yeah, he was in my head and knew my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Alan Carr is brilliant. One of the one of the best hypnotists I, I've known. I think he's just amazing. You know, so so good. Um, Dana says the menopause hormones imbalance is my biggest issue. Um, okay, so when listen, when you got a physical issue like menopause, or you got insulin resistance. Hashimoto's, PCOS, um, you know, uh, any physical issue, okay? I think what you need to do is you need to approach your weight loss more holistically. I, I don't think in that situation just focusing on the food, cutting the food down is, is the right answer. I think you really, really need to bring into account the lifestyle piece. And when I say lifestyle, I mean um, eight things specifically in order of importance. Your sleep, your breathing, your relaxation, wait, what did I say? Your sleep, your hydration, your relaxation, your breathing, your nourishment, your movement, your meditation, and your gratitude. If you start to weave these things into your life, uh, a lot of times what happens is you start to naturally, I'm not gonna say it completely balances out and fixes the problem, but what I am saying is that all of the things I just mentioned, all of them uh, impact your hormones. And so when you have a real physical issue, Again, like I said, menopause is real, thyroid issues, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, all these are real physical issues. And so what we want to do is we want to approach it with a holistic, comprehensive strategy that's aimed at the physical issues. See, if we just focus on the food, you're not really dealing with any of that. If you start focusing on the lifestyle piece and you get better sleep, high quality sleep, more of it, you start hydrating yourself properly, you feel more relaxed, start breathing properly, start nourishing yourself, you start moving, you start quieting your mind, you start feeling more grateful. All of these things impact your hormones and your physiology. And so this, and a lot of times, listen, my, my client, I, I've been doing this professionally for 20 years. My average client is in some stage of menopause. Okay, peri, post, during. And so they, um, and they, they're consistently losing weight. So yes, it may make it harder, no doubt. It's a real challenge, but there are strategies that help you deal with that. 
Okay, and so again, I think you need to have a more holistic, you need to get bigger than just the food to deal with that because you've got a unique issue. It's not just food, it's not just calories in that situation. And I think if you bring more more strategy into it, I think especially lifestyle piece, you, you know, you start getting the results you want. Um, oh, thanks, Astrid. Uh, I appreciate you saying that. I tend to be, you know, I mean, people say that all the time, you know, that, that I, I know what dieters thinking. I, I, you know, I started as a generalist and I worked with, um, I worked with smoking a bit. I worked with everything, you know, for, for a couple of years there. Uh, but what I came to realize is for me anyways, I, I, I think to be really good at one thing, you got to specialize in it, you know? And so I kind of shifted from being a generalist with hypnosis to being very specific, um, with weight. You know, now I do some other things here and there because, again, but, but any of you that know me, I, I take weight loss and I wrap it in personal development. So, really, it's still personal development, but it's got the, the weight loss, you know, layer around it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I know people are thinking with weight loss, but with the smoking, I don't, I don't work with too much. Um, hi, is insulin resistance a lifelong condition? Um, no, not necessarily, not at all. Uh, it, it just depends where you're at, but I mean, even people that have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes are able to reverse it. Now, again, everyone's different, so I don't want to say, like, you know, it's not absolute either way, because everyone's unique, but um, there there are, you, you could expect, I would say, if you're not, if you're not far, far into being insulin resistant, if you're not, even if you're type 2 diabetic, I've seen people reverse it, so, uh, you know, it depends how far in you are with it. Well, lifelong management yeah, I suppose. I suppose you could look at it that way, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, right, so if we if we bring it back to even just weight, like, like you know, people freak out when I say this, but but your weight, your weight's going to be a forever marathon. It's just, oh, God, it is. But you th you have that response because you think you think of dieting, you know, and so you think, oh, shit, I hate dieting. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to die forever. Oh, right. So that that's where you're going wrong, you know, because the next question is how long do you want to keep the weight off for? How long would you like to keep the weight off for? Well, forever. How long would you like to keep the insulin resistance away for? Forever. You see? So it's like, yeah, it's not like like lifelong management. It's really just a reflection of what you do. You know? So if you if you overeat all the time, you're going to be overweight. If, if you're eating a lot of like, you know, processed foods, a lot of flour, a lot of sugar, you're going to become insulin resistant, most likely, you know? And so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, those things, insulin resistance, weight, are reflections of what we typically do. And so, how long do you want to be at your goal weight for? You know, probably forever. So, again, the secret is to figure out how can I live as a thin and healthy person for the rest of my life. And the, the phrase I always say is that your real goal is not to lose weight. It is to get to your goal weight and then live the rest of your life at your goal weight on near autopilot. Those are two really important pieces. A is that you want to live at your goal weight forever. You don't think of it that way. You're always thinking, I want to lose the weight. You see, and and what you really want is you want to live at your goal weight. And the second thing is you want to make it easy. You want to make it so it's on autopilot. Your overweightness is on autopilot, right? You're doing everything you can to fight against your weight, and you're not able to change it, right? Because your 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 subconscious programming is the autopilot. You you have absorbed subconscious programming that keeps you overweight now, and it's so solid and it works so well that even when you try and change your eating and all the rest of it, you follow the diets, you still struggle to change your weight. So the answer is not to fight against yourself forever. It's to reprogram your subconscious mind. Um, you, ch you, you reprogram your mindset, your lifestyle, and your eating so that you can be thin and healthy for the rest of your life. So yeah, lifestyle changes. It's absolutely, it's mindset changes, lifestyle changes, eating changes.
and you optimize and customize them to yourself. So in Program Yourself Thin, we have the Weight Mastery Blueprints, all right? So the fill-in-the-blank blueprints, the roadmaps you follow to live at your goal weight for the rest of your life. But there's a mindset blueprint, a lifestyle blueprint, an eating blueprint, and you customize it to yourself, and then you always, for the rest of your life, you're tweaking and optimizing it, you know? But this is a weight mastery path. A mastery path, you never get to a finish line. As opposed to weight loss, the finish line is your goal weight. With when it comes to weight mastery, I've been on the weight mastery path for 30 years. Now, I've been the same weight for 30 years. I had one blip 12 years ago, but it's been the same weight for 30 years. So I'm not motivated by the weight loss. There's no more weight loss. I'm just at this weight. So where's my motivation come from? My motivation comes from, it's a, it's a, I'm obsessed with the mastery of my mindset, lifestyle, eating. And so I'm always tweaking and optimizing those things. And so every year I'm learning new things and implementing new lifestyle habits, you know, mindset habits, eating habits, and tweaking and optimizing it. So I, I love it. It's fun to me. You know what I mean? Like a path of mastery is like music, right? You never get to a finish line with music, art. You, know, you never get to a finish line with it. So there's things in life that we just keep doing and getting better and better and better at which I think you're, you're, you'd be well served to get yourself on a mastery path because then you have something in your life that you can, for the rest of your life, gain some pleasure out of, you know? Because a lot of things in life, especially nowadays, they're kind of finite. Let's say, well, we do them, and, oh, okay, I'm done with it. We, we want to set ourselves up with things that we can do for the rest of our lives and look forward to them and learn and grow and evolve and, you know, get better at. Because that, that makes you feel good on the inside, you know, makes you feel like a better version of yourself, you know? Um, but Maria, what I would suggest, Maria, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's free. Um, watch the training I give you, though. That's the most important piece. Watch the training. And I think it'll reframe it. The training's only a half hour. The, the, the hypnosis session's 10 minutes. And then I email you every day. So, again, anyone who's here, get on that list because I, I can help you a lot more. Here I'm kind of bebopping around the answers, you know. Um, whoops. Can you show us more what I eat in a day? I like those as they give me a good idea of amounts. And why is five kilograms so difficult to lose? I'm at normal weight, but no, I can be slimmer. So difficult. Um, okay, those are great questions. Yeah, the what I eat in a day. I never like to do that, but I guess I could... I never like to show what I eat because it's like, that's what I eat. You know, that's what I... I kind of figured out what works for me and, um, you know, quantities and, and specific things. And I don't... Like, it's up to you to figure out what you like. You know, like what I like, you're not going to like. And I don't like... I feel like most dieting is like people trying to fit a, a round peg into a square hole. You know, try to force yourself to follow some plan that you don't really, doesn't really resonate with you, you know? And so, um, but I could do it, I guess, just so you see. I guess it's good to see anyways. But why is five kilograms so difficult to lose? Um, I would suggest that that's the wrong question to ask. And it brings us to a bigger point that most dieters, most people that I work with are very smart and they're overthinkers. And if you're obsessively asking the question, why is it so difficult to lose the weight? You're just going to get answers that reinforce that perspective, if that makes sense. Um, why is it so difficult to lose five kilograms is a problem-oriented question, okay? So it references the problems and the difficulties you've had in the past. But when you keep asking, why is it so difficult to lose five kilograms, you just stay stuck in that question and your world becomes, it's difficult to lose five kilograms, why? Oh, uh, because you were raised this way, because you're a sugar addict, because you're an overeater, because you have no willpower, because you're into this, because you're lazy, because you're this. And you, you use all day long, those answers that you're getting are all negative suggestions, and you're stuck in that mindset. So a much better question would be, how can I, how can I drop the five kilograms easily and naturally? How can I make it easy and comfortable and automatic for the five kilograms to just fall off my body? 
You know? Now, I know you don't have an answer for that. I get that. But you're not asking that question. So how the hell are you ever going to get that answer? See, you're doing what all, all the overthinkers do is you're obsessed with a problem because you think you're all of a sudden going to have this magical breakthrough. Oh, my God, I figured out why it's so difficult. Now I can fix it. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And so you'd be much better served by asking the question and get obsessed with, how can I make dropping the, the five kilograms easier? You know. And what I would also do, I'd add on to that, is I would get clear on why you want to drop the five kilograms. You know, I'm at a normal weight, but no, I can be slimmer. So why do you want to be slimmer? It is going to be more work to drop five kilograms than it is to be at your weight. So you better have some motivation to do it. And that motivation comes from why? What, what changes at five kilograms from now? And I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm asking, I'm genuinely asking what's different, you know, but you've got to boost up that motivation. You know, it's not there. You've got to create the motivation. People don't really understand this with weight loss, but it's like your first hurdle is that you have to, You've got to get motivated is your first hurdle you got to overcome. You're not motivated. Just because you think about weight loss all day doesn't mean you're motivated. And that's one of the biggest – that you're bullshitting yourself so hard by thinking that just because you think about weight loss, just because you think you want to lose weight, you don't. You need to recognize the difference between wish and want. Right? You do what you want to do. What you want to do is you want to keep eating the food and living the way you're living. What you wish you'd do is you wish you'd eat better and lose weight. You know, But, but you, if you're not losing weight actively – I can almost guarantee it's because you don't really want to. You wish you would, but you don't really want to. And until you want to, you're probably never going to get the results you you want to get. You know. So again, that five kilograms, you got to you got to get yourself motivated first. So what's the difference? Right? You got you got to be crystal clear on that. Um, that makes sense. Good. I'm glad that helps you. What's up, Don? How's it going? Um, all right. I think I got to get out of here. I got some stuff to do today. I got to make some videos. I got to make some new videos here. Um, so keep keep an eye on those. So anyone here, um, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It is free. It's the new thin me. Um, 10 minutes. Listen to that and you'll find yourself making healthier food choices on autopilot for the next couple of days. Um, but watch the training. The training's the big one. Okay. That's the big one. Um, and then read the emails. I send emails every day. And then I got a bunch of cool stuff coming out. So now that I got my new computer, got my new <laughs> setup all set up, I got a lot of content coming your way. So um, go check that out. You can listen to the podcast. So this podcast right every every weekday, we put it out there, program yourself. Then it's on all the podcast platforms. Um, YouTube, Jim Katsoulis, you can watch that. And you can watch the replays of them as well. Um, and so, yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a super day. And we'll talk soon. Bye.